0: We're back with an all-new episode of Keep It. I'm Ira the Third. I'm Red Eye Gravy Man Lewis Vertel. <laughs> and we are rejoined by the wonderful Kimberly Drew. Welcome back.
2: Thank you so much for having me back. It feels so good to be on a team again. <laughs>
0: <laughs> You've been just solo out in the world, wandering the desert for the past however long
2: just winging it winging it i'm like so excited this week to be back with family to be out in the world to be talking to y'all it's it's time
0: okay good you know what i love that we all sort of collectively managed to find things to be thankful for this week even though the concept of um thanksgiving itself is um evil so, <laughs> <laughs> to say
2: I, the least, to say the least, some problems, small problems.
3: I believe the colonialism was well intentioned. Ultimately, <laughs> gotta
2: see both sides. Got to see right. both sides.
0: Exactly. Um, in a previous episode, uh, Lewis and I had a lovely discussion about Will Smith, uh, and I know that King Richard came out this week. Uh, did you get? Mm-hmm. A, did either of you get a chance to see it? I
3: did. Did you see it, Kimberly?
2: I did. The Ghetto Cinderella story. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I have to say I I was not I okay like I remember Venus Williams emerging as a superstar in like the the late 90s but I I guess was not privy to the moment where she arrived as like a junior celebrity and people like Martina Navratilova would do interviews about how if that was my daughter I wouldn't want her, want her going pro now and I didn't know she was already being compared to Jennifer Capriati who had the famous uh, drug story that derailed her kind of young career at the time, which is explored in this movie. So actually, just on a historical note, it was nice to learn a bit more about that. I was surprised I didn't know as much about that. But also, it's sports. So why was I surprised?
2: <laughs> it's also like the great divide between millennials. You know, it's like I was talking to a friend who was like, yes, you grew up very definitively in the Venus era. And I feel very much a product at the Serena moment.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. exactly the older millennials know the venus era i'm very much a serena uh and i thought it was actually interesting to have the film sort of not focus so much on serena i mean i thought that it would um but you know serena gave her sister her moment so that's good Mm -hmm. uh a generous (laughs) sister Uh,
3: no,
2: I, I mean, I, even in the interviews, there's so much generosity where Serena's just like, if Venus didn't exist, there would not be this pathway for me. Absolutely. And being able to see that interior life is like one of, I think, the greatest benefits of the film. You see that familial love. You see those tender moments.
3: Mm-hmm. I also think that movie, the movie has a strange combination to me of wanting to discuss how the father really predicted all these things that would eventually come true about both Venus and Serena. And then also playing into them a little too hard at times. Like, even if Mm. it is true that he was exactly right, it's still weird for him to... It's still weird for the movie to me to be like, Venus, you're going to be the best at Wimbledon ever. And then your sister Serena will do exactly this. It's like, almost narratively, it's too much or something. Like, once you put it in a movie, it becomes... Less compelling, like the reality is more con- more um, interesting than the the movie version of it.
2: I know that um, Richard Williams didn't have as much involvement in it as well, but it feels like this kind of like how to remedy this person who has been vilified in the media, how to shine a a brighter light on this black father in this media context that often criticizes black fathers. Uh, We see that with within all these other like kind of sports stories, not that I know a thing about sports either, but I'm specifically referencing like Tiger Woods and his dad, where you see like these Mm -hmm. tensions that arise, these like patriarchs that are just, or like a Joe Jackson type figure that is just like pushing, pushing, pushing. And maybe this is like a retribution arc. I
0: appreciate it from that um, uh, respect, you know, just the idea that we have had a detriment of stories about black men that are in any sort of positive light. Uh, and even though the film does balance the negatives um, with the positives of him, um, it's nice seeing a American myth making story, too, about um, black heroes in a way. You know, it, it I was I compare it a bit to, the Crown because uh I, I I didn't watch this in theaters um because you know I don't think I needed to see King Richard in IMAX but uh I kept <laughs> pausing the film like I do when I watch the Crown because I kept looking up did this really happen i in know me too mm-hmm, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm, and it's mm-hmm. it is by this you realize that it does sort of become that thing that um now they are like you know sports legends um i think that you know we're sort of allowed to dip into um telling history as we want it in a sense um the same way that you know like the brits have with um you know their dynasties you know and we're talking about colonialism um and thanksgiving and isn't this entire week you know um victors creating their own history of what happened right and so i'm perfectly fine with the williams sisters like creating their own history of what happened you know because i was looking up specific moments like um there was a scene you know where like um Pete Sampras and John McEnroe um did experience playing with the Williams sisters you know, but like they did not drive up um you know on and then interrupt like a tennis match between them you know like that didn't happen that yeah. was created for yeah, dramatic effect yeah that scene effect. was like yeah, uh, the,
3: like the the way this scene works is it's like an ambush. Like Richard shows up with them. It's like just give me a couple minutes. You'll see they're really good. And Pete Sampras is like, give him a shot. Yeah, you can just sense there's something like not exactly <laughs> biographical about that.
0: Uh, and McEnroe conveniently leaves that scene because if you recall, um, Serena is not checking for John McEnroe. Do you remember when he was like, uh, I did play against both of them and I won. And Serena's like, all right it's weird that you are obsessed with putting this story out about beating two young girls, which also isn't true. Uh, the
2: week of fragile masculinity.
0: <laughs> and, um, there's also like, you know, not to spoil a anything, but you know, about the endorsement stuff that happens with Venus too. Um, Richard famously walked away from a Nike contract. Uh, and the movie sort of rewards it with like this, um, The winning moment sort of at the end even when she we know that she historically doesn't beat vicario um although she beat vicario in history um because she's venus williams Mm -hmm. and i googled vicario and vicario um is um under investigation by her home country for back taxes (laughs) and may go to prison um so (laughs) but it turns out that like the the reebok um endorsement deal that she got which ended up being an unprecedented amount of money and for five years like seven months later you know so it was not a the phone's ringing off the hook after this match but the movie had to end so
3: right yeah yeah also I do like how the movie ends with that match which is not like the normal triumph in a sports movie I kept thinking like this movie was so entertaining to me even though it's not really reinventing the genre of film in any way. And I kept being like, how is this so much better? And I think it's because they do successfully layer more things in than you get in a normal sports history arc. Like even the dynamic in the family between the sisters, uh, their relationship with the parents was always interesting. And then you have Anjanou Ellis playing uh, uh, the mother of the uh, Williams sisters. And there's something about that performance not one note of hers is cliche, even though everything on the page is something you've seen in this kind of movie before. So it's giving you wife,
0: it's giving you wife in a biopic, but like it's also giving you like I would love like a supporting actress nomination for her. I thought it yeah it truly yes. took a role that you know like not to. Um, you know shade our past guest um claire foy but i think, I I think in we first remember man. In first man <laughs> right you know it's like this was completely you know something different from that like breathing new life into it and I, I mean it's also just not claire foy's fault because claire foy is a brilliant actress uh it's, it's the script and the direction right and i feel like this um yeah. this is why as screenwriters you know i love You know, you can follow formula when telling a story. There's a reason formula exists. It's existed since Aeschylus, okay? Um, But-
3: (laughs) Okay, thank you, Kim Mara, my
0: (laughs) my theater professor from the University of Iowa. But you gotta do, but you gotta, you know, gotta put some funk on it. You gotta do a little something different with it, you know? And by following the formula, they were able to make, I think every character in this film came across- um, as three-dimensional. yeah, Yeah.
2: And I think especially in that performance too, one of the criticisms that I've seen about the film is that even though it is about Richard, we don't see a lot of his interior life, Mm -hmm. but then through their mother, through those scenes in the kitchen or through those scenes in the backyard after the coach leaves, you really get this like vast humanity and sincerity. And I'm here for the Oscar nom. Like, let's get it.
3: Yeah. Also, I think specifically that that character really drives home like how wearying someone of that kind of um, ambition can be. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, like it's like like Venus and Serena, like they don't really show that. Like we don't really see in them, like they, they are kind of unfatigued throughout the movie. You know what I mean? But Ingenue Alice really carries the weight of what this is doing to the entire family in, in a, a really uh, cool, super entertaining way too.
0: Well, lastly, you know, Mr. Oscar uh what do we what do we We have the hopes for ingenue but um i think that this is um i think that this is probably a lock for will as a nomination uh yeah and um it could finally be his win
3: yeah i mean to be honest
0: (laughs) i'm not really thinking about i mean i'm also not really thinking about any of the other men in the race right now um you know There's this Adam I'm a little Driver worried about
3: Leo coming up. Yeah. This, a, uh, for Don't look up. People are loving Leo and don't look up.
0: Mm. All right. Well, we've got a fun episode of Keep It This Week. And we're being extra thankful this week because Adele is back. Arguably good at her job. Yes. Yes. yes Straight yes. up. It's giving professional, it's giving singer, mm-hmm. it's giving. <laughs> I like to listen to people who sing. Uh, so <laughs>
2: not for the ticky-talky, <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, we will get to that too. Uh, and then also, uh, we're gonna share some internet moments this year that we were thankful for because we know you all love lists. <laughs> I think in lists, I would prefer
3: to speak in lists. So,
0: the more we can, thank you. Uh, and uh, I am joined by the uh, wonderful Joshua Henry. Um, actor of Broadway and now film um, to discuss Tick, Tick, Boom with him. Um, Oh, I mean, in talking about <laughs> lead actors in the conversation, Andrew Garfield's Woof, Garf. fucking fantastic in that film. So
3: Slay performance. By the way, okay, I know, I, we need to move on with the show. I'm sorry, but it needs to be said. One, I understand that he looks exactly like Anthony Perkins, so I'm already biased to love him or whatever. Why do I love... Andrew Garfield. Because, I don't know what it... You know what it is? Okay, I've already established he looks like Anthony Perkins. I really feel like he's somebody that Alfred Hitchcock would be obsessed with in that he has, like, um, a casual dignity about him, and then the movie would be about him having a dark secret. He just... Something about him... Well, British. ...reads old movie star to me. Yeah, yeah, right. The British have layers just the way they are. Also,
0: please, you know I'm always going to root for a former Spider-Man, so... Oh yeah, I guess he did play that. My baby, my baby. And he never is in the conversation because as much as I love Tom Holland and as much as I grew up with the Tommy McGuire one, he's never really in the conversation um, as the best one. And I think he's the best one with the worst films. Mm. If he has been given better Spider-Man films, maybe we'd like him better. Anyway, Tick-Tick-Boom is great. And
3: he needs to get this nomination so we can erase the memory of Hacksaw Ridge. Okay, go ahead. <laughs>
0: All right, we'll be back with some more keeping. We have a fantastic Black Friday weekend offer in the Cricket Store. And get this, you won't get trampled to death <laughs> using this Black Friday deal. This Friday, November 26th through Monday, November 29th, take 15% off site-wide and free shipping on all orders.
3: Get your Keep It tees, hoodies, and desk calendars just in time for the holiday season. Shop all that and new holiday arrivals now at crooked.com slash store.
0: On Friday, after six years of experiencing emotional turmoil alone, Adele finally decided to share some of it with us. And it took me back five years to when I was 30, because 30 is here. Although, I will posit, um, because this woman has a child and has been married and now divorced already, um, it's giving me more into the future. I don't know. Like, none of this happened to me at 30
2: no 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 this is like 30 on steroids like straight up adulting hardcore no games played off the rip raw
0: uh that is why when she was giving that uh interview with zayn lyle um talking about how you know like if everyone's making music for tiktok Who's making the music for my peers? You know, I, I will gladly do that job. I want to make music for people who are going through therapy, trying to get their lives together. I'm like, OK, but this this album is like giving the general depiction of a woman in her 40s and 50s, Adele. OK, you have always <laughs> okay. is, Adele has always given. Uh, you are you seem 10 years older than you actually are. Uh, Well, it's
3: like Celine Dion syndrome, right? Who a woman who was born at 42 years of age and I believe is still 42 after (laughs) almost 60 years in the business.
2: And that's called staying power.
0: Yes,
3: right. (laughs) That's how
2: you do
0: it. Um, But I am pleasantly, pleasantly surprised by the album, because even as an Adele fan, uh, 25 for me was the lowest point of her career. I thought 25 was a retread of 21. Uh, And I thought, I was like, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. is this just what we're gonna get? You know, like, you know, some more like radio friendly bops um, with like songs that feel like we've heard this before. And I was shocked. She was not making music really for the radio, this album. I think that the album is telling, each song is like fantastic. Um, The album is great. Um, there are songs on this that also do like um what she's never done before and steps outside of her wheelhouse. Um, particularly speaking of the song um that I feel like has been on everyone's lips, uh, "My Little Love," the one that intersperses like um dialogue from her, dialogue from her child. Um, I just was ever expecting anything getting into artistic, if you will say, uh, on an Adele album. Uh, and I loved it.
2: Now she came through. I feel like, especially too, this is her Saturn return album. Like, I think that that's off the rip, such an important conversation, even though she's coming off, you know, with 10, 15 years of like energy ahead of where she is, you can feel the inner turmoil. You can feel the karma. You can feel the loss. You can feel her growth. You can feel her mourning. It makes me think about how Sasha Fierce was also a Saturn return album, or even thinking about no doubt Saturn returning. Like mm. there is a veracity and a relatability here as you go through each song in this like emotional pit that so many of us go through and feel so alone in.
3: I do sort of feel like Adele still feels obligated to be sad first. And I feel like she writes songs to a feeling that, so like I, I don't find this I don't find the album to be as radically different as, as Ira seems to be saying it is though there are moments mm-hmm. like the song that sounds like wait, all night parking did that song not sound exactly like Erica Badu to you did anybody expect the Erica Badu sound up on this album <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: there's a lot of like that R&B feeling even in my little one where you're like this
0: yeah sounds like that was the first song black right. music straight up <laughs> yes that what I know she had always done you know like the vocals were giving like uh uh, you know, um, I grew up on, you know, the Arethas, you know, and Patties mm-hmm. and maybe some Shirley Bassey. But um, yes, My Little Love, when track three hit, I was like, oh, this is Negro music.
2: But she is a girl from ends and you can feel it. And even in her, her interviews, there's a comfort and a surety in the way that she speaks. And it's just, it's clear that she's well studied. It's clear that she's trying to be experimental. It's clear that she's listening to all these things and I feel embedded in it. I can see my auntie's listening to this. I feel like an auntie myself listening to it and give thanks.
3: Yeah. She really is like the superhero aunt of all time. That kind of, I think that's exactly right. Um, uh, and I, what's the song where it, there's sort of like a um, there's that, a black girl group vibe in it? Is it Cry Your Eyes Out? Has that kind of yeah, refer- cry is your is heart out song. Cry,
1: mm-hmm. cry your heart out. My God, I cry swear I listened yeah. to the album.
3: Um, no, there are <laughs> some, there are some um, fun influences on it. I will say though, something that continues to bother me about Adele is that whenever I watch interviews with her, she is. Not always hilarious, but pretty funny and like the the humor rarely gets into the lyrics, and I wish it would because it would lend extra depth to the sadness she's trying to achieve i i, I like there's something about funny people where i don't know I, I I just believe the depth of their emotions a little bit more because a lot of the lyrics on this album to me are more telling than showing, and I wish she just found other methods of like explaining I'm sad other than almost explicitly saying I'm sad on many of these tracks. Like I don't like the voicemail. I felt like that was like a cheat. Like here I am telling you I'm devastated again.
2: Mm. Mm. But that was a note from her therapist. And I'm also here to applaud listening to your therapist (laughs) for anyone listening out there. Just like, just submit, just do it, try it out. And I think because she was working through how to speak with her son and what she could say, what she could disclose, how as an adult to a parent, you're You're being thoughtful and and not dumping too much so that your child then ends up in therapy for their entire lives undoing what you've done. I love the system of accountability
0: mm-hmm. I same i what I really found uh refreshing about this album was it wasn't just I'm being sad it was more intellectualizing her feelings and working through them and I think for people who You know, whether you're in therapy or whether you have, you know, like gone through a loss, um, you know, of a relationship recently, Um, you know, it is um, there are these moments where you're 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 not just feeling sad about something. You are you're constantly analyzing why you were sad, you know, and like uh, trying to analyze how you can be better. Um, And I don't know. I think it came at the right time. Um, and I, I, I really loved what she did here, um, by just intellectualizing her emotions. And I would also say, Lewis. I mean, yeah. it, it really just, that just falls into the thing you said about British people in general, you know, she's just funny in general because she's
2: British. All oh, right. right. Uh, no, my, my necessarily... incredible
3: theory that
0: British <laughs> people are simply
3: better than us. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Straight up, uh, a better hold on culture. I also think it's important to like, acknowledge just the straight up astrology of it all. We have a Taurus who is actively in public sharing their feelings and that alone deserves a hand clap. But she also has this cancer rising where she's just like, yeah, I'm going to tell you exactly how sad I am all the time and give you maybe permission to tap into the sadness too. It felt like an album of permission.
0: To give you context for that, um, Lewis, um, our, our friend who is a Taurus is our friend, Tony. So, uh, imagine, um, a Taurus Publicly sharing their emotions in this way—it's shocking.
3: I, I can't explain Tony to the world. Right now, all, right, all right, I've become stone faced. Um, I, I want to say also, I want to respond to Adele's comment about making music for millennials. I just want to say there is other music out there that is basically quote unquote for millennials or the audience she's talking about, which is people who are receptive to, um, deep wells of pain or uh. You know, because she because she's basically saying the TikTok generation is a little bit more you know pop oriented or a little bit more upbeat. Um, uh, I just want to say the new Amy Mann album is fucking amazing. Uh, I'm always I'm not sure what I'm going to get with Amy Mann sometimes because she is very extremely academic about um, uh, studying pain and grief and depression and uh, abnormal psychology. Really, like she had an album called Mental Illness. This time she wrote music based on the a, a musical that has not been made yet because the pandemic uh, put it off based off Girl Interrupted. And so you can't really tell what characters are supposed to be singing what on this album, but she gets really into the depths of the depression. There's a song called Suicide is Murder. So anyway, if you're looking for someone who is extremely incisive about like the tapes we play in our head, the, um, you know, cyclical thoughts, mental illness, et cetera, you've got to check out this album. I just love it and also kind of like the Adele album there are lots of like really eschews contemporary music in certain ways it goes back in time there's lots of like flutes and stuff on this album so I really recommend that too
0: you know what Louis Fatale I'm gonna give you a shock (laughs) I have been listening to Queens of the Summer Hotel and I stand this album and I have never listened to Amy Mant. (laughs) <laughs> so you know i've always known that De lewis will always reference like an amy man moment and i'm like okay you know what i'll let him have her but someone shared uh amy man's song in their instagram story and then i went to listen to it and i was like whoa i fucking love this album so um mm-hmm. yeah shout out to that too
3: she really um combines conversational lyrics with like academic subject matter really well like it's never pretentious but always smart that's what i fucking love about amy man mm-hmm. anyway we can get back to a now i just wanted to be sure to say that
2: <laughs> yeah no i love the, i love the criticism but i also feel like what she was saying was more you know like there's all these memes that are like that part when you're listening to a song and then you get to the part from tiktok and then when the tiktok part ends you have no mm-hmm. idea where you yes. are and so i think for her it was like how to build an album or even that she asked Spotify to shut down the shuffle. It's like, how do you create art mm-hmm. that people can take in and not just like segment and immediately be thinking about how to compartmentalize and make content from. Cause I feel like that's one of the things that's hard in culture right now is everything is like so digestible. And instead Adele is like, I want you to get under your covers deeper under your covers. And I want you to cry harder. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> that's exactly how I sort of interpreted it to Kimberly. Like the idea that like, she wasn't dragging that particular music cuz i fully believe that like she listens to like pop and like hip hop and things that are on tiktok we know she listens to I know right <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> but um i think that she was partic- particularly saying you know like i want my music to be taken in a particular way you know i mean i think it's like not just the tiktok era i'm sure like particularly for her as opposed to like an AB man uh, is like, she's like one of the number one fucking selling artists in the world, you know? So it's like, I'm sure the label and coming back and people making music with her want to be like, okay, how can we ensure that you are staying number one? You know what the girls are doing now? They're doing two minute songs. You know, they're making a chorus that is going to, you know, be like someone's going to do a dance to it on TikTok. You know,
2: July is on the beat. You know, a little (laughs)
0: little shoulder shimmy uh, and no hip work Uh, because that is what TikTok (laughs) is. Uh, The hips are lying. I just want to say, by the way, Shakira would fail on TikTok.
3: I work on Hollywood Boulevard and sometimes I peek out the window and always in the media like on this on the street which i believe says black lives matter down the middle of the street people stand there i see uh, easily 10 different duos a day doing tiktok dances there i soon will have a ridley scott like reaction to this generation <laughs> and their fucking dances but you need to know that it's out of control
0: uh now you bring up ridley scott saying that millennials are the reason that the last duo flopped Uh,
3: (laughs) millennials can't even agree to watch a good duel
0: these days. I'm like, okay, baby, the millennials want to go see House of Gucci. Okay. You know what? I didn't want to see Matt Damon and Adam driver in period makeup with, was it Alicia Vikander?
3: Uh, Jodie Comer.
0: Oh, Jodie Comer. Yeah. You know what? (laughs) Killing Eve was not my jam. Okay. You need to blame the Killing Eve stands who didn't go see your movie, okay? Because there seemed to be enough that The Last Duel could have been successful in theaters. But I'm sorry, I've heard it's good too, but the trailer for The Last Duel gave me absolutely nothing. No, it was giving drab. Yeah. (laughs) It looked like Excalibur, direct-to-DVD, okay? so And by the way, it's not even The
3: Last Duel. I can think of several more recent ones.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever seen Versus, Ridley Scott? How about that? <laughs> yeah. Millennials love it. Okay. <laughs> X versus sever is my last duel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, also, I, uh, lastly, before we wrap on Adele, I do want to shout out that another thing I was surprised by was I drink wine, which is a fantastic song. And, I thought that the I thought it was gonna be you know like a little Grigio girl's moment like a little a little something mm. for the white women a little I'm dr- I'm drinking my <laughs> a s- little Olivia right Port I moment. thought it was like uh, yeah. drinking my something young vlog but she doesn't do that she just mit- the, like she mentions wine in the first verse and then no more wine you know I was like no oh okay I thought you were about to like announce your like um you know like her sponsorship you know like wines by Adele. <laughs> <laughs>
3: mm-hmm.
2: Mixed by Moscato <laughs>
0: <laughs> If I'm crying in the
3: club The title of that song feels very um, Like kind of resistance mom mug From 2016 or something And that song really is not that So you're right I applaud that subversion Yes
2: And it's also coming after Oh my god and can I get it Where you think We're coming out of the wind She's like out again She's moving and grooving And then boom We're
0: mm-hmm. back You know what I do? I also drink wine um, and uh,
2: <laughs> actually,
3: it's a rem- I really don't. You don't. I, I'm surprised to say it doesn't do well for me. I'm just. I'm. I'm a hard liquor person. Know yeah. that about me. When you give me gifts. Yeah, and beer because you're from the Midwest. I. I will mm, very occasionally. I do find it a strange elixir, and I don't know why we normalized it. But
0: mm, mm, anyway, I'm and a- my
3: brother. My. Bro- my brother is a beer and wine merchant, so I, I'm hurting his business right now. I apologize.
0: <laughs> you're going against <laughs> the family. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, on that note i'll be right back with a conversation with joshua henry about tick tick boom theater and more and then we'll be back later with a bit more kimberly drew and more keep it Keep It is brought to you by Barefoot Dreams. Lewis? Yes? When you see Footprints in the Sand, that was when I carried you in my Barefoot Dreams rub. Now, is that a Leona Lewis song? (laughs) No? Uh, If you want to bring coziness into your life, you turn to Barefoot Dreams, especially now as the brand is celebrating their 30th anniversary. Our guest today is a Tony and Grammy nominee and a Drama Desk Award winner. A Broadway staple, he is one of the stars of the new Lynn Well Miranda Netflix musical, Tick Tick Boom Out Friday. Please welcome Joshua Henry.
4: <laughs> Thank you for having me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thanks for being here. I want to uh, first say that the show that you were Tony nominated for I did see you in, uh, and it was fantastic. Scottsboro Boys.
4: Oh, thank you. Yeah, that was a a minute ago, but I, I loved every second of that. I'm glad you saw it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I I'd love to ask, you know, like being in Tick Tick Boom, which is about Jonathan Larson's um story, you know, it's autobiographical and it's about, you know, sort of um him hitting about to hit 30 and you know sort of like wondering uh, about his broadway dreams uh will they ever come to fruition i feel like it's something that most theater artists have gone through at some point in one way or another whether you're a composer or an actor um so you know like what was it about tick tick boom or jonathan's story in particular that uh you felt that you connected to
4: so what what I connected to with Jonathan Larson was um just his passion you know and his that itch to want to use your voice to say something that that is heavy on your heart um, I, I I really connect with that idea, and in the film you see you know he hears this sound that um, it's like he's so aware that his time is limited and and for me i you know I've got three small children I've got a three and a half year old, and i've got eight-month-old twins, and I still have so many incredible things I want to do in art. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'm aware that there are only a certain amount of hours in the day, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I don't want to, I have to be very mindful of my time. And as Jonathan um, says uh, in one of his lyrics, um, fear or love, don't say the answer. You know, I want to make sure that I'm being led by love in the little bit of time that I have and just create and and love my family as as intensely as I can. And I think that's what Jonathan did with his friends and his community that he uplifted and, and brought to the forefront.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, And so you're in this film directed by Lin-Manuel Miranda uh, and you're sort of, uh, was your first interaction with him when you were cast in uh, In the Heights off Broadway and then was, were also in it on Broadway? Uh, and how did that uh, relationship sort of um, begin?
4: With Lynn and I, our relationship goes back to 2006. Um, we did In the Heights together. Um, we did, uh, I was, I sang on Bring It On, the musical, another musical he did. And I did Hamilton for a year and a half, Land, Amber. And so this is our, I love that dude so much. I'm so inspired by him. So when he texts me, he literally texts me, hey, you want to come play with us to, to, to do this movie? And I was like, absolutely. Anytime I get around him, um, I'm inspired. And it feels like, you know, the leader is just this limitless Pied Piper of a genius that <laughs> just jumps into a, a pool and is like, everybody come on, I'm, I'm telling you all the water's great. Every shot was just filled with joy and, and spontaneity. And, you know, even with the limitations that we had during filming, um, we, we had the confidence um, that we were being led in a in a by someone who was going to give his heart and soul, and so we all followed and gave our heart and soul to it. So seeing him in this new arena of directing, um, I expected nothing but the best. And when you see this film, um, I mean, you're not going to think to yourself, "Oh, this is a first time director." So Lynn took a big swing, and I think he I think he hit it out of the park.
0: No, mm-hmm. yeah, I thought it was a um, actually really fantastic depiction of Martin's life. Uh, I thought Lynn did a great job directing. And uh, I thought Andrew Garfield also... very surprisingly great what was it sort of like working with um you know sort of when when we make adaptations of stage to film you know any sort of things like this there's always the notion of you know like you need a star at the helm of it you know and Sometimes they do well, sometimes they don't. Andrew, I thought, was really great in this. Um, What was it like sort of working with Andrew Garfield in this film? Um, And how did he seem, you know, sort of being like, I'm the lead in a musical? You know, was he chatting with you or um, other people in the cast, you know, about sort of like how to pull this entire thing
4: off? Yeah, he he was. He would ask a lot of questions. He's in, 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 amazingly curious um, all the time. Um, and when, we, when he just came on in rehearsal, and we treated this like a Broadway rehearsal, Lynn did, um, he wasn't a singer. You know, He had a really nice tone, I have to say, but he didn't have that confidence of, "I'm going to get through an entire song and I'm going to deliver a message through it." But we encouraged him to just keep going, and he, honestly was fearless. And every single day that he came back, he had another, his voice was stronger. He had another Jonathan larson And, you know, <laughs> by the time we were in mid-swing uh, 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 filming, by halfway through the process, I mean, he became John. This is, this is one moment where Vanessa Hutchins was sitting right next to me and she went to go talk to him between shots. And was like, she goes, hey, John, uh, uh, Andrew. And, I'll, and then she looked at me with big eyes and was like, did I just do that? So he, we got to see him. it was wild. We we saw him become this character, and there, you know, when you talk to him, there's so many parallels between John and his life. So it's wild to to have seen him do this process um, and leave space just for just to be a, a, a open channel for what Jonathan Larson wanted to say through through uh, through him.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you find that that is something that? a lot of people can pick up if they just sort of like work through um singing that they'll they'll be able to tell a story in a great way or do you think that it's still just like a gift that only some people um are able to pick up like Andrew Garfield it's more it's more special than some people like not everybody can come off the street and be like I'm going to do this song
4: <laughs> I have always thought and some people disagree but if you if you work hard And you know, at your voice, you can become a singer if you put in enough time. Certainly, people like Andrew have a a a confidence and um, you know some sort of idea about music. You know, but um, so I I think that if look if you surround yourself with you know thoroughbreds of the craft, I mean, vocally speaking, everyone around him was better. Everyone Mm. around him, you know, myself included. Like we we have been singing. In the, in the biggest stages for 15 years, eight shows mm-hmm. a week. Vanessa, since she was eight years old, you know, all mm-hmm. these Broadway performers. We we trained for four years for this before we hit a professional. So I think that is like the growth accelerator for if, if you're going to try to sing, you know, you, you be around a lot of people who are incredible singers and the things that you pick up. I mean, he was watching my breathing. He was watching mm. Vanessa's, uh, the way she... Uh, her, her tone was when she belted really high in a song like come to your senses so he he's so observant and that's what you need when you're trying to become uh, you know when you're trying to get involved in a in a craft that's not first nature to you um, you soak up all you can get and and he did that
0: mhm In that same vein, um, but not completely the same, uh, another show that I did see you in was The Wiz at the City Sitters Encores in 2009. Um, And you were great in that, uh, as you always are. Um, But I would want to ask then, so for the example of, Andrew Garfield being someone, you know, who wasn't a singer learning to um, sing and be in this production. What's it like working with someone like Ashanti, who like was a singer? Professionally, she is a singer, but that was her first theater role. Mm. So what's it like working with a singer who knows what to do with their voice, but may not know like how to be in a theatrical production and to lead one?
4: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's very different. Yeah. I mean, she came to that production with she could sing every song, especially home, backwards and forwards in her sleep. Um, but then there's the um, she's not used to, hey, what's up upstage, downstage, you know, you know, the timing between the scenes and things like that. So that's something that we we she was very willing to to try to learn as much as possible in that very limited time and when you're in a theatrical production you know the theater community is one of the most uplifting communities you can get around of artists so you know we're used to seeing dancers try to sing for the first time actors trying to dance for the first time incredible singers trying to learn stagecraft for the first time so we very much were like hey you know what we understand it's your first time we're going to hold your hand you know if you're willing if you're ready and open to to go dive deeper into a craft that you're not into you know that's not your first language you know in a in a in a production we're gonna help you and we did and I forgot how long the process was um, it was very fast and furious actually but yeah. uh, I, I mean she, she it wasn't even on.
0: It wasn't even there that long. I mean, I remember that I saw it in like its final weeks because I was like, it's about to go away. <laughs> so,
4: <laughs> yeah. 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 It, it was really, really quick, but I think she did a great job considering the limited amount of time. Um, but that's what I love about the theater is like there's acting, there's singing, there's dancing, and there's experience. And you can't just soak that all into two seconds. You need a community, a supportive community of, of performers around you to to bring out your best.
0: Mhm. I would say that that's a th- common thing that happens in theater too you know it's either a film like this where you have a star joining or you know like a broadway show where they bring in another type of star to sort of lead it um you at least seem more willing to you know like embrace um someone who's coming to a production um just so you can get the best product and really sort of embracing your love of theater and everyone having a good time would you say that you know that sort of like the norm for most shows when like because i feel like a lot of shows are dealing with here we're doing this musical and like Nicole kidman's going to be the lead in it you know or et cetera
4: right you know that can be a complicated thing no joke because we know that part of the draw for shows is star power and that's become more and more frequent and you know some people that, that can be difficult you know when you have someone who doesn't have necessarily uh, 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 an experience and love of the of the theater, and they're there, you know. Um, and no, I can't question anyone's heart, but look, there are so many musicals this year that that would not have happened unless those stars came into them. Not necessarily this year, but in the over the last you know four years. So, look, you can fight that, you can <laughs> as a, as a as a theater performer, you can fight it, or you can embrace it, you know. Um, And I'm just not one of those people that is going to, as long as you know people that are actually trained in it get to be featured as as much as possible in the piece, and no one's getting you know, it's work taken away from them, um, you have to embrace it. You know, these are these people that come in that are a quote unquote stars. They're artists too, and they're there to bring people to the theater. And when I really start to embrace that. I want people's booties to be in the theater, feeling something, and loving the, the 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 art form, so that they can see other shows. If that happens, more of my artist friends get work, more of my artist friends' talents are seen. So, you know, I'm I'm about that.
0: Switching gears a bit to sort of. Um... You being in Carousel, a show like that, um, Mm. that um, is, you know, another thing that happens on Broadway, you know, it's sort of like a reimagining of a classic show. Um, How do you feel um, about productions like that? You know, I mean, you were fantastic in that, um, you know, and got a lot of attention for a show like that. Um, what, would, you fi- would, would you say that um, that's something that you really embrace in the theater or do you think that you know, we should be having, um, it's interesting watching Tick, Tick, Boom and seeing like this um, struggle of Jonathan Larson to create sort of some new shows, you know? Uh, and then um, also knowing that we have to find ways to breathe life into um, older shows.
4: You know, that's a great question. So the classics have their place, right? Rodgers and Hammerstein, Gershwin. And when I did Carousel, you know, I trained, uh, even in musical theater, I trained classical voice. And I was thrilled to be able to get the chance to showcase that in in a role that I thought was saying something unique um, about redemption. Um, So, but, but in terms of older shows versus newer shows, I am definitely, um, I love the newer works. You know, like that's what I want to do more and more now. And that's why I'm excited excited about something like Tick, Tick, Boom, because while it's been around since uh, the the late nineties, a lot of people don't know about it. You know, people know about Rent, um, but they don't know the show that was before and that set up Rent. Um, I like to hear contemporary new voices. You know, because I grew up listening to contemporary music. I'm a kid of the '90s, and so um, I grew up listening to R&B and hip hop, and 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 rock and jazz, and you know. But but I definitely, for me, at this point, there is a place for the older classics. I've done many <laughs> Carousel, I've done Porgy and Bess, you know. But but you know, now I, I just. That's not, I wasn't, that's its own beauty. It has its own beauty. But me, I tend to, t- to, to love the, um, the more contemporary works these days. I mean, that's why I love Lynn's work so much. Because after doing Hamilton for a year and a half, I was like, yo, that, that's, that's my bag. I grew up in Miami, Florida, listening to hip hop, salsa, R&B. You know, like that was who, that's my language. You know, someone who grew up in the 70s or, or, or early might just be like, nah, Gershwin's my bag. <laughs> or in the shakety, so um, yeah, that, so that's just that's kind of where I live
0: these days. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking about the production of Tick Tick Boom, uh, I remember I had a conversation once with um Vanessa Hudgens about um the production of it. Um, just filming this during COVID, uh, and was it true that you know sort of like there were restrictions on um even singing live during COVID when you were perf- uh, filming it.
4: Yeah, there were, you know, at, there were points where, well, first of all, everybody had 15 shields on their face, which, you know, <laughs> just for saying, <laughs> so Lynn would give a note and we'd be like, what? And so he would end up just doing jumping jacks to show <laughs> what he was trying to say. But yeah, we got to our singing scene um, at the New York Theater Workshop, um, and which is exactly where Jonathan Larson performed, Tick, Tick, Boom, and they were like, you know, actually, we realized you can't sing because... You know, particles. You can't. You, and that was a heartbreaking moment. I'm not gonna lie, because we were okay. Here we got hired to do this incredible musical. You know, mm-hmm. and we just literally couldn't. So we had to mime some of it at certain points. But I will not lie to you. And thankfully, you know, there was a lot of safety, COVID protection all around. Everybody did an incredible job helping us make this film. But there were some takes, dude, where I was just like, "Okay, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna sing. Like, just, just give me one." Vanessa and I want yeah. to like, just give us one because you wanna you know you don't want to fake it. You don't want to fake what we do. And you know, as well as I, like when you see someone, you know, lip syncing to a track, mm-hmm. and it just doesn't, it, you just don't feel it as much. And so I think mm-hmm. they did a great job with the few takes that we did where we did get to sing, um, you, syncing those up and and letting that audio and performance shine through because Listen, this ain't you know. We ain't puppets out here. We we we, we this is the real crap, so we try to show <laughs> that.
0: Exactly. Uh, you can't lip sing for your life on the stage when you're making a movie. Um, no. I would lastly ask you know, with COVID, sort of not gone uh but uh hanging out wherever she is um at least letting people get back to the theater what is it you know you hope for um broadway coming out of this like what what kind of things would you like to be doing what stuff would you like to see getting back to theater and um really just sort of like embracing it and maybe even you know using this opportunity to fix some things that weren't fixed before COVID? Or do you think that it seems like things have just gone back to business as usual?
4: You know, uh, there are a lot of things that have needed to change for a long time Um, on Broadway as I've been doing it for the last 15 years. And of course last year was a big awakening moment where we're just like, okay, something we just can't tolerate. I will tell you specifically that I want to see uh more black people in management, you know, mm-hmm. in the the upper um you know workings of a of production, you know, not just actors on stage, <laughs> not and certainly stage managers, but you know, general managers, you know, because you know, I've been in shows where um they didn't understand how to do my hair you know, mm-hmm. as starring in the show, you know, and, and that's just like, there's there's a disconnect. And and some of the stories that were being told, you know, were not, didn't have, some of the Black stories that were being told didn't have Black representation in the show. Black, mm-hmm. whether it could be creatives or general management or producers. So I, I think when you're telling, you know, stories that, are, when you're telling Black stories, you, you have to have Black people all up in the production to have it told authentically, you know, with our voices. I, you know, I had a very unique uh, uh, opportunity to do this *Gospel Boys*, which that was an all-white creative team. I don't regret it for one second. I think it was an important story that needed to be told. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a complicated moment because, you know, here you have this important thing that you want to get out to the world. This *Gospel Boys*, a story that I didn't even know, and and. Uh, n- n- I didn't know anybody else who was talking about it. And so I did it and it was amazing. I don't regret it for one second, but part of what made that special was those white creative folks, Susan Stroman, Dave Thompson, John Kander, they came to us and they were like, listen, we think this story is important, but we don't, how how would you say this? How would you, what would this emotion be like? You know, how can I tailor this to, to be for you? And that was the best thing that they could have done Anyway, so it it made me think that, like, listen, from the jump, we need just more when you're telling black stories, you need black people from the all the way throughout the production. That's one thing that I want to see more and more. And I think you are starting to see that more this Mm -hmm. year. People are more cognizant of it from you know, producers, casting directors. It's a conversation that keeps going and it doesn't happen overnight. I'm very aware of that. And you know, I want to support my community as the transition it's happening. I'm not just, I'm not of the ilk that says I'm going to peace out until everything's good. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I don't think that's how change works. So, you know, incredible organizations like Broadway Advocacy Coalition are leading the charge on those types of things. But yeah, that's just a few things that I, I, you know, I think I'm mindful of as, as Broadway is opening again. Mm.
0: Great. Well, thank you so much for being here, Joshua.
4: (laughs) Great to talk to you. I appreciate the conversation.
0: Yeah, of course. Um, great in the film and, um, it's been great seeing you in, uh, many productions. Uh, so I'm looking forward to the next one too.
4: Thank you so much. I appreciate you. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So no, that's a good thing. Uh,
0: (laughs) <laughs> That's definitely not a problem, uh, Reese. You did it.
3: You stumped this charming devil. All
0: right. Well, we've already established that Thanksgiving itself is the work of Satan, uh, and so. <laughs> So, we're going to take back the holiday and we're going to discuss what we're thankful for. And it's not pilgrim hats um, or malaria blankets. It is uh, the internet, you know? Uh, It is always giving gifts, um, sometimes great, sometimes bad. But I think there are some beautiful things to be thankful for um, that happened uh, on the internet, on social media this year. And I think for me, number one is. Benifer. I think Benifer mm. gave me so much this year
2: the gift that keeps on giving Leo Leo love straight up chaos mm. so many paparazzi moments like yes
0: but also taking control of the paparazzi right because Jennifer and Ben Affleck sort of were like one of the prototypes of like the paparazzi just sort of like invading your relationship uh, in the 2000s uh, and sort of really taking control of that narrative. And then their relationship fell apart. And what I love seeing now is that like at older um, and wiser, um, they were like, no, you know what? We'll make the paparazzi our bitch. Yeah. You know? And also,
3: you know what I also enjoy about Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez? They're equal. Um, consternation with the Academy Awards. Mm. How, like, Ben, you know, gets the best picture for Argo, doesn't get the nomination for director. Jennifer Lopez, not nominated for. Hustlers, the year when Kathy Bates got in for Richard Jewell, a movie that I believe it is illegal (laughs) to watch again now. Um, (laughs) So... They're on the same team. I believe they've gained equal amounts of pain, so it's nice to
0: see them back together. Mm, And who knew that this would all kick off with um, Jennifer Lopez sort of announcing, um, let's get loud at the inauguration. (laughs) You know? I feel like that's where it came from. She said, we're going to get loud 2021, and then she did. There are a few moments where I'm watching something, and I ask
3: myself... Did I actually just see that? Did I not just invent in my gay brain that Jennifer Lopez inserted a flop single from the On the Six (laughs) era into an inaugural singing? of The words Leo energy have meant little to me as a Leo growing up. Now I see it. Now I know what you mean. It is simply uh, uh, power, unhinged power, unhinged power. Mm hmm.
2: Yeah, no, like the second most shocking thing on the Capitol that month.
0: Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That is actually...
2: Second only to an insurrection.
0: (laughs) That is actually what Lady Gaga was searching for clues uh, at the Capitol for. (laughs) She was like... Stop
3: the steal, but also stop that. She was like, I
0: think J-Lo is going to do a stunt and I have to stop it.
2: (laughs) But did anyone not think she was going to do a stunt? like between her and then Katy Perry and that like full Tom Brown look, it was nothing. To I thought that. Gaga yeah. was
0: going to do the stunt though. If anything, I thought Gaga would be singing and then she'd be like, my pop, 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 pop poker face or like something, you know? <laughs> but I forgot that when Gaga <laughs> is in a moment, she fully commits to it.
3: All oh, right. Well, you'll notice that she's in her self seriousness era. Yeah. So yes. you know, <laughs> the, the fun and games are are uh, cut
0: to a minimum. Yeah.
2: No time for shenanigans.
0: Um, I would also say that um, you know, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Miss Adele, but um, one of my favorite internet things this year has been TikTok. Um, I am not a TikTok creator, but I feel like my nights are dominated by like scrolling TikTok. Um. For hours and it started with the pandemic uh and now it's still it's now it's still like birthed over into 2021 and um i don't know i think there's a lot of fun creativity on there even though the concept of some tiktoks is still shocking to me and maybe a generational divide <laughs> just because um well i've never been a front-facing camera person and i feel like You know, like I could get tweeting out your thoughts, but there are so many TikToks where someone's just like talking to the camera and they'll they'll be like this, a basic one where they'll be like, uh, if someone tells you you're too extra, maybe they're not enough. And that's just the TikTok. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. okay, millions of of people are moved by (laughs) by this person saying this basic, basic phrase into the camera. Okay, cool. Those aren't the TikToks I follow, but, you know, other people like them. So
3: I keep being told I honestly have avoided TikTok generally, but I keep being told that the more you get into it, like you really can find your specific area of interest. Like it's not just the things that get the six trillion views that are like, you know. These like warmed over hallmark sentiments from 1991 or whatever. Uh, like, you can just like, oh, here's a TikTok about, you know, the 1969 best actress race, you know, things we all really care about that is pressing <laughs> to all of
0: us constantly. Well, um, if you know where those TikToks are, send them to Lewis, I guess, because they're not on my For You page. Right, mm-hmm. <laughs> and or like, s- make sure you convert them to a wave file or something because I'm not going on the app. Yeah.
2: Send by carrier pigeon.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, another fantastic um moment, probably actually birthed from TikTok, was um Hillary Duff's with love dance. I don't want to overstate uh how fantastic I think this dance is, but if you've seen. You know the like uh, recent viralness of um, Hillary Duff uh, performing her single "With Love" on talk shows um, from like the mid two thousands when it came out. Um, The dance that she does is so bizarre, and it is so weird that a choreographer handed this to her. (laughs) Um, And it is just it's entranced to me. You know, and I feel like everyone was duplicating <laughs> it. Uh, it's the same way that everyone was also discovering Fergie's um, one-handed like flips. Well, well, good well, morning, well. America. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. no.
2: <laughs> I literally was just thinking about that. as my favorite video, yeah, career, hands down in the history. Of I internet.
0: think
3: that first of all, wait, hold on. Kimberly just rolled right into an impression of Fergie that was really good. That
2: was really <laughs> weird. I think about it daily because I'm also like, it must have been like 4:30 in the morning <laughs> that she is up there doing straight up like. one one handed cartwheels for all of
0: America it was to see. A, it was no it shade. was I think like seven thirty a.m. But that it's still that is four thirty a.m. California time as she flew to New York yes. to do that. It's
2: Good Morning America. They start
0: so early. They start so early, and it is um, it's it's that and the Hillary Duff thing are just funny because I feel like now people are discovering like uh, the choreography that a lot of our pop stars did during that era was just weird.
3: Oh, yeah. Well, it's also like a lot of like non-trained dancers. It's like when Nelly Furtado became a hip hop star for two seconds. Like there's dubiousness in there. You know what I'm saying? The uh, Honey Daniels of it all. Yes, <laughs> right. Get
0: me Honey
3: Daniels. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what? I th- well, also, I think soon we, we will be in- reinvestigating exactly what Black Eyed Peas were, because there's far too much insanity. Like we have the Fergie cartwheel moment and we have the Fergie national anthem that was of course uh I don't know what it did to America we're not the same
0: but underrated um, by the way is Fergie doing live and let die during that um tribute to Bond on CBS please look that up because it involves Fergie um swinging around the stage on a rope
3: wow you know how Pink has like some circus training. What if Pink just winged it every time? It was like I'm getting on these ropes anyway. That's
1: Fergie. <laughs> um, <laughs>
3: uh, but like for instance, the song "I'm a bee, What was going on there? It's like um, nine minutes long. It's like stairway to
0: heaven. I <laughs> love that song, and I also love <laughs> that she references the Good Morning America performance. Uh, she's like she Fergie has the line like I'm gonna be up in these may list flicks doing one handed flips. I'm like, okay. She tried to make True it her brand. Self-awareness. Tried to make it her <laughs> yeah. brand. Didn't work. Uh, but wait, what movie did Fergie get in? Uh, nine. Uh, she was also in the Poseidon
3: Adventure remake.
0: Okay, yeah, because the may list flicks. You, she's talking about like blockbusters, you know. Uh,
2: I just want to pause for your quick recall of Fergie's films because that <laughs> that alone, <laughs> I am impressed. <laughs> like y'all's pop culture knowledge is off the charts, but knowing. Disc- or filmography
3: perfect I, and I mean I think it's called Poseidon is the movie I'm thinking of it's like one of the biggest flops ever and no one even remembers it because it's, it's like it's like when we did that around the world in 80 days remake with like Kathy Bates anyway there's lots of 2000 shit that nobody speaks of and it's not like you think like Von Dutch hats are the worst of it trust me no yeah. <laughs> I
0: think she was also in Planet Terror oh that sounds about right yes yes um Kimberly, what were some uh, moments that you were thankful for this year?
2: Just to revisit the inauguration, one of my most favorite things was the Bernie Sanders meme. It was popping up everywhere. It was so cute. Loved all the internet sleuths going straight for that woman. What's her name? Jen Ellis, who knitted the mittens. In a moment where like one email stresses me the hell out. She had thousands of people from all over the country, all over the world, like, give me these mittens. (laughs)
0: You know what? I love a mitten moment. Okay, yeah, maybe it's because I'm from the Midwest, but you know, like, I remember wearing mittens, and but I also don't think I've worn mittens in years. So, um, you know, I, I the the craze was funny, and I liked the meme, um, but I did not run out and get mittens because you know because it's just not really cold here in California.
3: Well, well, it's like a couple years ago I ran into an amazing green kind of military looking trench coat online. And I was like, oh, I have a sort of military looking you know uh, gaunt expressionless face this fits me and then i realized there's no reason to wear a coat like this ever in la i have worn this one time and i wore it to see the movie widows because it was a heist
2: <laughs> absolute perfect use case though
3: <laughs> me at an amc looking like the detective in billy jean <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs>
3: hmm.
2: Uh, My next favorite moment was the collective watching of all of the MCU shows that came out, Mm. like everything from WandaVision, Loki. It was like everyone took this moment to come out as a straight up, full
0: blown nerd. You know what? WandaVision was great. I really did enjoy the film. I don't know about that. All right, Lewis. You know what? We've heard your pig gets up. I
3: appreciated the, the I appreciated the the Catherine Hahn glow up. I appreciated everybody being like, Oh, I've always liked Catherine Hahn. No, you didn't. No, you're pretending. Anyway, she was always great. I <laughs> agree. She's you know, she's really good on a weird movie called The D Train with Jack Black. Look up that movie, strange one. Uh but um I just thought WandaVision started off really slow. I thought the T V send ups mm-hmm. were super boring and unfunny. But mm-hmm. then where mm-hmm. it went was more interesting.
1: Mm.
2: Yeah. Just like unhinged white
3: woman content. Right. <laughs> well, you know Which what? I, I I wish we had some hinged white woman content, honestly. I think they've had their, I've had they've had their fun. Well you, you know what, what Kimberly?
0: <laughs> you want to hear how me and this bitch Lewis fell out. It was over WandaVision. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> the Great Dubai. Um,
3: wow, Zola, a movie I have forgotten to think about since I saw it. It was good. It was just short.
0: Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean it
2: was I mean it I, And also that meme. Yes. The meme fantastic meme thankful for that meme
0: Uh,
2: all the bitches and how we fell out over and over mm -hmm. give
0: it to me loved it uh it is funny in retrospect you know just sort of take a tragic story of why you actually had a falling out with someone to say you don't want to hear how in this bitch fell out it is it's uplifting you know it makes it makes a fallout positive
2: (laughs) (laughs) but it's also like one of the factors of being a black woman like so few people are listening to us, and so we have to couch things in humor. And it's, you know, the honey to get people to accept it. Mm,
0: okay, yes. Okay. Lure us in like a bee.
2: <laughs> 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 Wanna rumble with a bee? Huh? <laughs> Put
0: a hex on the whole family. Um
2: oh, one more before we go. My absolute absolute favorite was the saga of jessica tessica excuse me tessica brown and the gorilla glue story oh
3: my god i can't believe that was this year that was ages ago ages
2: ago (laughs) and then all the copycats the copycats cringe but her blow up going from just like this awful terrible mistake medical emergency like we saw her from the moment in her bathroom into the hospital and now she has her own natural hair care line we love a
0: glow okay you know what that is i mean it's almost a zola moment right you know a black woman Mm -hmm. going through a traumatic experience online and then turning it into success she did it quicker uh she did it without a24 Mm -hmm. yeah
2: (laughs) we also need to tell off from gorilla glue like who was that social media manager on that day who discovered that message Just like, how do you tweet in response to that?
3: Yes. Um, Okay. I have two things I'm thankful for. I've now numbered them. Okay. One, this seems ages ago and seems borderline inappropriate to make up because of what has since followed this year in this family. But man, the Hilaria Baldwin moment, guys, it occurred at just the right moment when it was like, I think it was right before the insurrection. So maybe we were just destined to have one moment of levity before everything got totally terrible. But man, her Chiquita banana accent, her coming out as, <laughs> as, as as Bugs Bunny in the in the like Spanish Carmen dress with the castanets, so strange, so su- such an unforced error. Like, how mm-hmm. do you keep doing this? Like, no one is no one is saying, "Oh, you're from whatever uh, Catalonia." Like, you know, like nobody was like, "We need to know about your Spanish past." She was the one who kept insisting. Anyway, what a strange marvelous moment that cannot be replicated. Uh,
0: we should have put her in the West Side Story reboot, you know? I want, See, I want to hear right. Hilaria say, a boy like that, he kill your brother.
3: <laughs> That's really funny.
2: Get her uh, in the Heights. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Just an uptown girl. Latino gang. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and then the other thing I will forever uh, associate 2021 with is the Jeopardy debacle, which started off on the rails to me. Like peop- all these reasonable people were trying out for the job, you know, some uninspired performances, but some really good ones, uh, lots of varying opinions on the internet. Um, I did not agree with the LeVar Burton, like zealotry that emerged, particularly mm-hmm. after he hosted and was just simply not as good as some of the other people who, um, did it. But, uh, reporter Claire McNear bringing to light, uh, producer Mike Richards, bizarre podcasting past and, uh, Bizarre treatment of staffers and then eventually unseating him. He was supposed to be the uh, next Alex Trebek and now he's not. And we're still in this weird in-between period where Mayim Bialik and Ken Jennings are off and on hosting. I don't know if they've announced a full plan for the next year yet, but I'm liking Mayim and I'm honestly really, really liking Ken. So I think because of her efforts... um, We ended up in a decent place and also Jeopardy fans are really awesome fans, generally speaking. So I was glad to hear from so many former contestants about this and uh, just trivia fans in general about an institution that means so much to us because there is no second Jeopardy. There is no other show like this. And we take it for granted. We're like, oh, you know, that show we all watch where it's like knowledge based and you learn something about whatever the Byzantine Empire every time you watch. It's like we don't have another show like that. Uh, No one's watching A&E every day.
0: (laughs) I don't know why you're denying the existence of double Jeopardy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> an informative film yes all trivia fans love that movie so anyway yeah jeopardy
3: community stay great whatever yeah. ken doing great mayam just don't bring up the vaccines again
2: mm-hmm. yes we need a wheel of fortune drama oh like, yeah where's that well, where's that fandom well, you know what's
3: weird is a friend of mine uh, uh mandala logan who's a game show super fan producer he brought up how Mike Richards actually would have been a really good Wheel of Fortune host. It's weird that he probably messed that up for himself, too. Because C- anyway. who is going to investigate the host of Wheel of Fortune? Besides me, because I do believe that's my right. call. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: the truth is out.
0: Yeah. Chuck Willery, Pat, I'm coming for you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. When we're back, our favorite segment of the episode, as usual, is keep it. And we're back with our favorite segment of the episode. It's Keep It, Kimberly, as our guest. Why don't you go first?
2: Um, I wanted to just say in general, men as a prospect. Mm. Um, But just to refine it, (laughs) I'm going to add in Dave Chappelle, period. Mm. Like, I'm done hearing the name. I'm done talking about the special. We're going into the holiday weekend. Everyone's families are going to be coming in with what they think is the best take of the century. I don't want to hear it. I want to focus on something else. Mm.
3: That's right. I th- the new thing I'm mad about regarding uh, Dave Chappelle is the defenders being obsessed with how he is envelope pushing as if he is the only comedian who is pushing the envelope. G- guys, Aida Osman literally pushes the envelope more than him.
0: Shut up. <laughs> <first>. <laughs> I don't hear Dave Chappelle talking about pegging. That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Also, I
3: think Aida Osman holds the world record for most Twitter responses of, ma'am, this is a Wendy's. Like, that's, <laughs> that's how much envelope push
2: she's doing. And then after watching the Janet Jackson special, which I highly, highly Ooh. recommend, mm-hmm. we need it. Loved it, didn't feel like it was. I don't know. I feel like some of these like rehashes of these stories from the past feel like a little bit too much. Um, my other keep it is Justin Timberlake because he's been sus, always will be sus, and we need to just like completely remove after the Britney, all of it. Can we also move on, close that chapter? Justice for JC Sase,
0: yes, JC, <laughs> my king. Um, who I totally still feel like jive, um, you know, um detonated by focusing all of their um you know marketing power on having justin have a hit album and then jc got stuck with those songs on uh, schizophonic which are yep which schizophrenic. Are, wh- schizophrenic schizophonic is the jerry Hallowell. oh album. that's right i'm sorry i have also yeah. been recently listening to schizophonic because i did not realize that her jerry halloween's cover of its Rating men was attached to bridget jones's diary Mm, right. uh, strange a, time. Yeah, well a film I've n- a film I've <laughs> never seen. Uh I've never seen any of the three Bridget Joneses. Uh
3: Oh, weird. I saw them at the I saw them in the 2000s at some point. I mean, you know. Yeah. It's it's a crash course in why we love Renee. Yeah. So I mean, go and watch them. But, I but mean, um yeah. Schizophrenic. Oh, Jay-Z a lot of Guys though
2: so- Jay-Z also <laughs> Blowing me up was a great song. It was. Song,
0: yeah. But- well, that was his R&B that he wanted to do and then Schizophrenic is a lot of like I don't know, weird like 80s samples, and it's uh, it's it's just, it just doesn't work, it sounds schizophrenic, so the title was correct. Um, and just to be clear, JC
3: Chazé is the one on Bring It All to Me by Black, yes, right?
0: yes. He, mm-hmm. he had yes. the Tim's baggy jeans and thug appeal, Lewis. That's right, <laughs> <laughs> which if he still does, I'm worried. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will also say that, um I had forgotten that this year was like his home. Those app apology, Justin's, which was one of the lowest points of the year. And I will also say that uh, now that Britney's free, I know everyone was like, you know, excited for her reigniting this feud with Christina Aguilera, which I feel is a lot of miscommunication um, because I feel like people are like, Did Britney Spears see you know like how much Christina was you know like speaking out about the conservatorship? I'm like, no, she didn't see it because her father had her locked up in a castle. Okay, so do you think she saw Christina defending her? I think that um, people being angry at Christina not talking about her on the red carpet have literally never seen a celebrity publicist um, pull them away from a question before. Uh, Totally. And if there is a feud that needs to be reignited, okay. Let's show Brittany, (laughs) let's remind her of all the things that Justin has done and like let's get her popping on that feud. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Like he's the one who has um, not said anything which is tantamount to a lie. Okay. So worry about Timberlake, baby. I will send Mm -hmm. you the documents.
3: Also, I can't explain it. Suit and tie is just one of the most infuriating songs ever. It's just, uh, it's the the, the the men's warehouse of it all. I can't. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you mean you've never been on your suit and tie shit? Tie shit? Tie shit? Uh, Lewis, what is your keep yes. it this week?
3: All right. Uh, mine's two pronged. I'm going to start with one. Keep it to this effing urban dictionary meme that has taken over <laughs> Instagram where people, let me get this right. Type in their name into Urban Dictionary, a site that is run by bored 11-year-olds. I have no idea. And then post the thing that is under their name on Instagram. Let me tell you something, whatever, Cody. I don't think this pertains to you. Someone being like, all Cody's are super hot and also nice and also they're your friend or whatever the stupid caption is. <laughs> like, there's no joy. What's the funny part? What, Like, what? What is the fun juxtaposition happening that you think I'm getting something out of this? Um, you copying and pasting this is not doing anything for me, though. I believe Ira also did this himself. So I now have to I come was, for I him. Was gonna say, okay. I was
2: going to say, I'm definitely on my story right At, now. Least, uh, at
3: least Ira <laughs> is an unusual enough name that maybe there might be something specific in
0: there. But of course there wasn't. I th- I thought mine was funny. I don't know. Okay. Moving on, next part of my keyboard. <laughs> <All right. laughs> on that note, I, like people have uh, people have been ornery about the things that people share in their Instagram stories lately, and I want to say that drag the Urban Dictionary meme all you want. I don't. I hopefully it. I thought it, I thought it was funny. It shouldn't last past one day. Um, but sure. you know there are people yeah. who are going to be just discovering it in three weeks, uh, and we're going to have to sit Keep through it alive. again. But I want people to get. Spotify wrapped out of their mouths. Okay. Do not mm. drag Spotify wrapped. <laughs> I like when people share music in their Instagram stories. As I said earlier, I discovered that Amy man mm. album because someone shared it. And I like if you follow friends who have good taste, like um hearing their Spotify wrapped, like maybe songs that they didn't share with you throughout the year, I think it's a wonderful way to discover new music that you might be into. Um, I think when people are dragging like no one cares about your Spotify rap, which you really are dragging are your friends who have poor music taste. And they're just going to be the, the, especially your gay friends are going to be like, oh, my God, like my number one artist is Ariana Grande again this year. It's like, yeah, we know. <laughs>
3: <laughs> no, it's why I like on Metacritic, if you love, you know, uh a a movie critic a lot you can go and see like the things he or she rated super highly and they're probably things you haven't seen you know so it's like I like trusting people's taste and learning about people's taste and getting to know People through the things they're particularly obsessed with you know it makes people interesting
2: i also want like a goodreads model like mm. i want to know like the why just like a little bit of context because otherwise it's just like it feels like a musical horoscope in this vague way like some things land some things don't and i i don't need yeah it.
0: i will say the one thing about spotify wrapped and like what will like fuck up some people's is that um there's no delineation of where you've listened to these things You know, like a certain Mm -hmm. song can be number one in your Spotify rat is because like you just listen to it on repeat at the gym, you know, like there's certain music that I constantly play with my trainer that I'm not listening to like daily, you know, but I'm like, yeah. Mm -hmm. So oh,
3: and then also I just want to say a general I'm over it. Keep it to the word cringe, which I did hear Kimberly say earlier, but she said it so affectionately. It's not in the tone I am talking about. Like I'm sick of I don't know. It's like, I feel like the internet is too obsessed with pouncing on things like Lin-Manuel Miranda. Okay. I'm not <laughs> saying it's not a little,
2: I'm not saying it's. That was not how I was expecting that. Yeah.
3: <laughs> it's not like I'm saying I don't get it or like you can, you can watch something that feels too earnest or treacly or whatever. But it's like, there's something about the word cringe where it's like, you're pointing out I'm cool and this thing isn't. It feels very like immature high schooler to me. And in fact, uh, my friend Guy Branham was quoted in uh, my friend Sarah Kessler's uh, Twitter recently with a quote that just so put a finger on it right at a time where I was getting sick of the word. And he says, cringe is so frequently deployed by cowards to describe something unconventional they haven't gotten a popular barometer on yet. And I think mm. like, that's such an awesome way of putting it. There's something about the word where it's like you're it's like you don't have to say anything in particular about why it's bad you're just saying we're all above this all the cool people over here we're better than this thing and it's like a cheap and easy out um and it's also just it's it's super it's filled with contempt in a way that i find uncomfortable too so i'm just done with the word cringe
2: um can i ask an ignorant question mm-hmm.
0: yes our favorite kind
2: oh i was gonna say like is it like chewy
0: mm. Mm. Well, no, chuggy Ch- is a made up.
2: That's a word I like. I just never is
0: a made up <laughs> word by some white sorority girl somewhere. So that that is that is not uh, anywhere near like the word cringe. I just feel like people use okay. yeah, people just use it when they're like, I don't even know an example. I'm not. I'm. 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 I'm not on the Twitter, Lewis.
3: Well, it's just like uh, uh, actually, I think there is a Venn diagram overlap between chuggy and cringe. Chuggy is like. D- d- I think has a, a quality of datedness that makes it a little bit different than cringe, which is just like an ugly. Yeah, correct. And, uh, cringe is more just, uh, oh, that made me uncomfortable. And I'm uh, assigning, you know, I- I'm devaluing what you did because it's a little uncomfortable for me personally. Mm.
0: Well, mm. also, you know what, um, <laughs> um, Lin-Manuel Miranda also to get back to that made Tick Tick Boom, which is a wonderful film. So I don't know
3: and that's very kind of straightforward about the power of theater like if you're if you're talking about um you know his feel-good thing is very much there
0: yeah so anyway um my keep it this week goes to the collective outrage over Chrissy Teigen and John Legend throwing (laughs) a squid game party I don't. Fucking I totally get it. agree. <laughs>
3: no, they're acting like first of all they threw a real Squid Game one, and then two, they're acting like she missed the point of the show completely. No, she fucking didn't. That's it's a television series. What? It's so bizarre what they think. Oh,
0: sh- she she's enjoying only the rich part of it. No, what are you talking about? Um, there's also the fact that like we just came out of Halloween and. So, right. like, there were Squid Game outfits everywhere, you know? I feel Like, the thing about popular culture is you replicate it, you know? And, like, you're wearing the costumes, uh, and, like, people enjoy them in different ways. And I just sort of think that, like, the fact that they had a fucking, like, Squid Game party is, like, is, is this really what we're going to be mad about right now? It's, it's giving, you're still mad about Chrissy Teigen from before, and you want to, like, sort of, you want to, like, get her for something right um but you're picking something where it makes absolutely no sense because if you want to look in the history of like the parties people throw or costumes that people wear i mean a lot of things would be like did they miss the point of this i mean people who throw great Gatsby parties right for one you know we know how that book ended well, I don't think most people do. Uh, <laughs> but, but I think it, those of us who right, read. I think it's sort of similar, you know I mean people dressing up as like um villains, you know, like like you're in the shining or like you know, like Chucky or like anything, you know it's like it's always like, did you miss the point of this? I'm like, no, it's a thing from popular culture that you liked. It was the number one show on Netflix.
2: It's not niche. It's not niche. Like it's it's niche. like
0: mass culture, baby. I mean, it's this. They were they kept bringing mm. up to, like, you know, her. Um, did she miss the point of parasite? You know, it's like rich people who liked parasite. Did they miss the point of it? I'm like, no, I don't think they missed the point of it. They're just rich. <laughs> right. Period. Are
3: you just mad that they're rich? You can just say that. <laughs> I wish these people weren't rich. Say that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, Leave the EGOT winner alone anyway thank you for being here this week Kimberly what a pleasure
2: thank you so much for having me I learned so much about Fergie I appreciate you guys so
0: much (laughs) and uh Kimberly once again thank you for joining us this week thank you to Joshua Henry as well for being here and uh we'll see you next week with more keep it
3: Keep It is a Crooked Media production. Our senior producer is Kendra James. Our producer is Caroline Rustin. And our associate producer is Brian Semmel. Our executive producer is Ira Madison III. But I, Louis Fertel, do a good job too. Our audio engineers are Charlotte Landis and Kyle Seglin. And the show is mixed and edited by Charlotte Landis. Thank you to our digital team, Matt DeGroot, Nar Malconian, and Milo Kim for production support every week.